I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, I know I've been changed. Yes, God is good. Oh, it's just so wonderful. What a blessing to be in worship with you today, and what an incredible music ministry you have here. Oh, my. My, my, my. I want to thank your pastor, Reverend Troy, for this opportunity to uh, share in worship and to be at this pulpit. It's been a great joy to get to know him and to welcome him as an MCC clergy colleague. <laughs> you are blessed, church. You are blessed to have such a gifted and dedicated pastor. And as the director of the Office of Formation and Leadership Development, I just want to take this time to uh, thank you and to say how grateful I am for the ways you have been a teaching church over the years for uh, candidates who have felt the call to ordain ministry and MCC. And in particular, you have shepherded through a couple of recent folks that have been ordained in this place, uh, Reverend Andrea and Reverend Vicki. Yep. I'm also grateful for your gifted staff and just their willingness and your willingness to share them with us. Reverend Kristen and her team did a fabulous job at General Conference for our children's programming. I want to give a shout out to Reverend Michael for his willingness to serve on the faculty of our Young Adult Leadership Mentoring Retreat. And on behalf of our moderator and our senior leadership team, I also want to thank you just for your hospitality. Later this month, you'll be hosting our large church pastors gathering and also our Hispanic network uh, meeting. So thank you. Thank you for your gifts of hospitality, your gifts of generosity. You are indeed a generous and gifted and blessed church. So just claim that about your DNA uh, because it's there. It's there. Many of you have uh, heard me uh, tell stories about my family. Uh, it's kind of like growing up in a Flannery O'Connor short story, I have to say. I was raised Southern Baptist in Louisiana, and uh, there are six of us in my family. Four of us are named Bobby Ray, Norma Fay, Donnie Ray, and Mona Fay. <laughs> and I always knew I was in trouble when Mother would open the back door and say, Mona Fay, you know, get in here. I knew I had done something wrong. Well, my mother and uh, her two sisters, Helen and Betty, they decided that uh, the Baptists were too liberal. <laughs> so they became big hair Pentecostals. You know, you know the kind I'm talking about? They'll just rebuke anybody and anything at the drop of a hat. They've even been known to rebuke each other. When I was in seminary, my mother was a seamstress and she uh, owned an alterations shop. And one day I was home uh, for the holidays, getting ready to head back to school and had stopped in to say goodbye. And Aunt Helen was there sitting in her rocker and mother was at the sewing machine. And uh, some uh, young uh, college women came in to pick up some alterations that mother had uh, completed for them. So when they got ready to pay, uh, they uh, were shocked that it had cost this much money to do whatever uh, alterations mother had done. And so uh, they were arguing with uh, Mama about that, and Aunt Helen got up out of her rocker and came over and looked at the bill, and she said, well, Faye, I think you have charged them too much. And Mama said, Helen, you stay out of this. And Aunt Helen said, well, Faye, I just rebuked that spirit of meanness in you. <laughs> and Mother said, well, Helen, I just rebuked that spirit of bossiness in you. 
they were, they were having a rebuke out just right there, you know. And these, these young college women were just like looking at them like, you know, what, what's, what's going on here? So finally, mother, mother said, Helen, just get out of my store. Just, if you're going to tell me how to run my business, just get out of my store. Well, Aunt Helen wouldn't leave. So mother called the sheriff. <laughs> and the moral of that story is, if rebuking doesn't work, call the sheriff. <laughs> Our, our topic this morning is um, wholeness and uh, change. And a lot of times I think uh, we, we approach wholeness or change in this way. We think that some magic word you know, will take away our pain or remedy a difficult situation. In this healing story from John's Gospel, we encounter a man who's been among the blind and the lame and the paralyzed gathered under five porticos waiting, waiting for this water in this pool of Bethsaida to be troubled, some versions of Scripture tells us, tell us, by an angel of the Lord. And the first person who's into that water when it's troubled gets healed. And this particular man, he's been waiting there for 38 years. 38 years. For some of us, that's a lifetime Jesus passes by, and Scripture tells us that Jesus sees this man and knows him. He knows that he's been there a long time. And Jesus asks the man, do you want to be made well? Well, I don't have anybody to put me in the pool, Jesus. Do you want to be made well? Well, every time the water stirred, somebody else beats me to it. Do you want to be made well? The man couldn't even hear Jesus' question, much less respond to it, because he had become so identified with his Matt story. No wonder he had been there 38 years. Alban consultant Larry Pierce says that Matt's stories are limiting stories. They keep us from wholeness. They keep us from change because we've repeated them for so long that we have become them. When we repeat our Matt stories, we're giving the illusion that we want to change when actually... We want to remain the same, but just feel better about it. <laughs> now, some of us have been attending the uh, National Gay and Lesbian Task Force Conference on Creating Change and what an incredible witness uh, resurrection was at uh, that event. And the title, you know, of that gathering is Creating Change. Now, that's different from wishing for change. That's different from complaining that nothing has changed. <laughs> if we want change, we have to do something about it. The prophet Micah proclaims, do justice. And justice and wholeness go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. 
Now, growing up Southern Baptist, those two words weren't in my vocabulary. We talked a lot about getting saved, you know, having that fire insurance, make sure we we're going to get to heaven. And then our religion was more about what we didn't do than what we did do. We didn't smoke, don't drink, don't play cards, don't engage in mixed swimming. I didn't mind that as a baby lesbian. That was just fine with me. No mixed swimming. Work. That worked for me. Worked for me. <laughs> you know, according to Jesus, <clears throat> salvation, getting saved, being saved, is about wholeness. Wholeness for our bodies as well as our spirits. It's a justice we do. We advocate for health care for the bodies of our transgender siblings. It's a justice we do for the bodies of homeless LGBT youth who are targets of human trafficking. It's a justice we do to subvert and correct toxic religious messages and the spiritual abuse that have kept the spirits of LGBT people paralyzed for a lifetime. Now I'm going to go to Medellin now. What are the Matt stories that limit our wholeness? What are the Matt stories that keep us from creating change? Jesus asks, do you want to be made well? Well, I'm just one person. There's really not much I can do to make a difference. Do you want to be made well? I really don't get the big deal about what pronouns people choose to refer to their gender identity. Congregations have met stories too. If we start feeding and providing sanctuary for those people, we just might lose some of our largest donors. And denominations have met stories too. If we hold people accountable for their behavior, then we can't really be radically inclusive. <clears throat> Notice Jesus didn't respond to the man's Matt story by saying, well, I just rebuked that in the name of myself. <laughs> Nor did he say, you poor thing, I can't believe nobody's put you in the pool. How rude of those people to get there before you. Don't they know how long you've been here? Jesus didn't even call down an angel to trouble the water just for this man and then command one of the disciples to put him in the pool. Instead, Jesus responds directly to the man with three commands. Stand up. Take up your mat. And walk. Sort of sounds like Micah, doesn't it? Do justice, love kindness, walk with God. Jesus troubles the waters all right by challenging the scarcity mentality that's in this story. 
I don't know about you, but it's bothersome to me that an angel only troubles the water during certain times of the year and only one, the first one, gets healed. And the man's story has been conditioned by this scarcity mentality. Only one can be healed and only the first. This myth of limited access which leads to competition and hierarchy has kept that man paralyzed for 38 years. And the dominant culture uses a scarcity mentality to keep the work of justice paralyzed by causing oppressed peoples to compete with each other over perceived limited resources. But we in MCC know that we are stronger together. How might this story have been different if the people in the porticos helped each other get into the pool all at the same time? Talk about some mixed swimming. Jesus' words empower the man to become an agent of his own healing. Stand up, take up your mat, walk. But that's a scary thing for the man and for some of us. I mean, after all, he's been the guy on the mat for 38 years. Now who is he going to be? He's going to have to get a new story, new friends, a new place to hang out, some shoes. Do you want to be made well? Jesus invites us to live that question. And that means letting go of some old identities bound up with our dis-ease and taking actions to create a new story, taking actions to create the change that we want to see. Living that question also means realizing that Wholeness is not perfection. The man took his mat with him. Wholeness is the continuous, compassionate welcoming of all the different parts of ourselves while not letting any one part paralyze us. It's about knowing ourselves to be people of weakness and strength, liability and giftedness, darkness and light, while every day, every moment, we keep asking ourselves, do I want to be made well? And that kind of knowing keeps us from being paralyzed by guilt and shame as we do the work of justice. Wholeness is not a static state. It's ongoing. You don't just get whole and check that off and then move on to the next thing. We don't have to be paralyzed by our mat stories. When Jesus commanded the man to stand up, to take his mat and walk, he knew that there is something at the core of each of us that insists on wholeness. The great... African-American writer and theologian, mystic, Howard Thurman. He has said that there is an inner insistence toward wholeness, and it is this that the moment, the experience of quiet, announces. 
and it's a fearful announcement. Bring in your scattered parts. Be present at all the levels of your consciousness. This is the time of togetherness. Teach us, O oh God, to know that your love is so whole and so healing that nothing less than all of us can rise to meet your all-encompassing care. And how do we find that hidden wholeness that Thurman references? It's by our seeing and our knowing. Our journeys toward wholeness involve being curious observers of our Matt stories. Not, not in judgment, not in criticism, but just curious observers. Our journeys toward wholeness involve a compassionate knowing of ourselves, which is really the true definition of humility. And the way we say that in MCC is that we are about transforming ourselves as we transform the world. So this morning I invite you to place yourself in this story. Be a curious observer of your Matt story. Don't be critical, don't be judgmental, just curious. What is your Matt story? How have you become identified with that story? How is it limiting your possibilities for wholeness? How is it keeping change, needed change, from happening in your life? Where does scarcity thinking need to be exposed? What courage do you need to let go of an old identity? How might you be an agent of your own healing? What actions can you take toward creating change in your church, in your community, in your family? So one more time, I want you to turn to your neighbor, and this time I just want you to say, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. Amen. And so be it. Amen.